Welcome back to a Modern Man Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Farrell, and we are presented to you by the Modern Podcast Network. Thank you. Welcome back for another week. So happy to be joined by Ariel Meserly. Her segment, Acting in the Pandemic, Living in SoCal, you know, just trying to get her shit started off the ground, acting. So she joins me to talk about that. And she'll, she'll be a, you know, routine, kind of maybe monthly, every couple week guest. She's been on the podcast before. She was seriously one of my first guests, if you don't remember. But since I've last spoke to you, all we know, we know Texas, a bunch of... Texas lawmakers wanted to criminalize getting an abortion and not necessarily under the uh, constitution of the law in terms of direct uh, like state versus uh, complaint like criminal proceedings. They're criminalizing getting abortion and saying, I guess, in civil courts that people can sue you. And anyone who's like offended, affected, can knows about you having this abortion can sue you up to ten thousand dollars and so you can have like 30 40 50 a thousand different ten thousand dollar lawsuits and that's their way of trying to kind of combat roe v wade which is crazy because i am constantly seeing it's like when a few years ago people are trying to repeal gay marriage and i'm like why are we taking steps back like i don't understand how we can take so many steps forward in society and then just kind of just like rewind all that progress we made but i guess it's the same like you know we pass universal health care or what is called obamacare or coined but then there's so much outrage that there's so much fight to send it the other way and it's like the pendulum is like with everything so I guess I wouldn't be too surprised, but it feels like abortion has been here for like 30, 40 years. It seems like, why are we trying to combat this now? Like, let's move on, get a different issue. It's just because, like, that's why I try to tell people my identification and like a party. It's like I'm a progressive. I'm always on the side of progress. Like, if we're at one point, we need to always be moving forward. It feels like the Republican Party, they only have one way to go, and it's backwards. Like, they're mad at any type of progress. Because that's all this is. Like, why they need to be trying to find another issue to maybe progress their values, and like you know, it's uh, it's crazy, too much to get into. But I don't want to keep you long. We got a nice, beautiful, long interview with the future star. I can't wait. Hopefully, you know, she put something together for the modern network hopefully when the modern network is producing some you know short film shows whatever ariel meserly will be a part of that but for now she's just a guest on a modern man podcast and we'll take that for now all right so enjoy her interview i'm joined today for the second time i don't know if you listened to the first time but i'm here with the wonderful ariel meserly i always fuck up your last name everyone does it's okay just think like a mess early in the morning mess early mess early didn't i say that i said mess early didn't i say that no you'll be able to hear it on the playback you did not okay. say that, I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> all right i said it now ariel mess early yes yeah how are okay. you doing today i'm doing fantastic how are you i'm doing great you know you're here for your segment acting in the pandemic how are, how are yeah. you excited for your pandemic 
or for your segment. Yeah. Are we excited for the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm excited for the segment. I think it's so sweet that you want to bring me back on to your podcast. I feel very yeah. flattered. Oh, no, like a lot of changes have come on since you came on. You were like one of my first guests, what, almost nine months ago. And I yeah. feel like a lot has changed for you. Yeah, it kind of has really. Things things definitely have changed. Yeah, it's exciting. It's really all positive change. So like, I swear people in LA wear their masks when they're at home, sitting on their own couch, like watching TV. It's crazy. Everyone is so on it about the masks. Even if you're a fully vaccinated person that just got a COVID test 75 minutes before going on to set, which is what they actually do for some sets that I've been on. They still will, they still have COVID team there. So they'll come up to you if you're like, and this literally happened and I was so kind of bitter because I was like, I've been following the rules all day. Somebody showed me something on his phone and I went like, <gasps> so my mask for a split second went below my nose and then somebody makes an announcement, please, everybody make sure to wear your masks over your nose. Wow. Like, I was just like, oh my fucking gosh, these people, it's, it's tough. We have COVID cops on every set right now. Yeah. I realized that a little bit coming to Chicago, obviously leaving the South. I'm like, there's a lot more people who, because I realize now, all right, if I'm outdoors away, I'm not going to ever really wear my mask walking around outside. There's no point to, but you got, and the people started to in Oklahoma city, but now you got about at least 20, 30% of the people who are just walking around with no one near them with them. And like, do you boo, but I'm not going to, especially being fully vaccinated and 18 months in, like I've earned this right. And even if I wasn't, I've earned the, I can walk around outside without a mask. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Right. Like I understand if you're going to the grocery store, if you're yeah. on an airplane, if you're, there's plenty of scenarios where I think it's mm -hmm. also like respectful to walk into a restaurant wearing a mask or something. Cause yeah. I always get fearful, like if this person's unvaccinated and they're just breathing Delta variant onto my food, like, you know, I, I can understand certain places, but place and time is the fucking key here. It's not every time, every place. All right. So don't like go too far in depth, but kind of give a background of like where you're staying and kind of what you're pursuing in California yeah. right now. Um, I stay in Huntington Beach, California which is about a 42, 45 minute drive to LA, depending on the traffic, of course, it can go all the way up to two hours, but it's really not too bad. Um, I live like 15 minutes from the ocean. I live in a little house with my mans. We've been together for well over two years now. And like centuries. No, just <laughs> <laughs> and um, we recently, I guess that's not like important. No, I was gonna say, I don't know if you remember Meatball, I, I think I might have brought yeah, him on camera. He's, you know, he was super, super old. So he's passed away now. And we, he only passed away like three weeks ago. Hasn't really been that long. But he lived to be 17 as a French bulldog, yeah. which is legendary. You know, that guy was totally a legend. That dog, he's never going to die. And, <laughs> well, I well, I mean, seriously, and it's it's crazy. All of his buds from Chicago and stuff, all of Rich's buds, um, yeah. we just still remember Meatball. Everybody has a Meatball story of when they were okay. dog-sitting him and he, like, pissed on their bed or whatever it is. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's going on. And it was in 
April that I got my first paid acting gig. And then since then, the ball's just been rolling. I'm pursuing acting full time. I quit my day job in November. Um, I was doing waitressing. And oh, last I, November? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I quit my day job. And yeah. I'm doing this like full time right now, just auditioning and submitting myself for gigs and working gigs. Okay. So, all right. Do you want to talk about your first paying gig? Do you want to go through that? Are you excited to talk about that or you want to keep it on the down low? Um, we can talk about it because I think it's humble beginnings. Yeah. Paid gig being... <laughs> <laughs> exposing it I'm just exposing myself I'm going to be very honest and transparent and I don't think that you know some grown-ups have a problem with talking about how much money they make I'd I'm not one of those people I feel like I'm also I'm not making big money so I'm like go ahead and make fun of me if that makes you feel good you know yeah. no but um yes I it was this commercial for a what is it car accident injury attorney Okay, you yeah. know, so yeah, I, was, I know what you're talking about. I was one of those people on the commercial that is giving a testimonial as to how amazing the law firm is and how much money they won me because I oh, broke yeah. my arm from getting hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was Jill from San Jose, and it was just really fun. It was um, I got paid twenty dollars. <laughs> oh damn! Hell yeah, though. No, but fuck it. it yeah I was still like oh my god this is my first check for acting I I actually still have it and I'm gonna frame it love that love that damn yeah yeah did you have to wear a wig or anything to be you don't strike me as a Jill I don't like yeah no no wig I think just the outfit made me seem more like Jill more like Jill do you remember your lines do you do you want to tell do you want to do your lines for the people I just left Phil's Coffee on 4th Street when a car hit me when I was on the sidewalk. I'm trying to remember. It's like something like that. When a car a car came out of nowhere and hit me while I was on the sidewalk. Unfortunately, it broke my arm and I had to like miss work something. Fuck, I don't remember <laughs> the lines. And then it was just like, you know, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have Daniel Kim in his office helping me they answered every question every call and they were just so nice you know like something like that you know I I was really (laughs) short because it's all scripted and like yeah yeah I'd say improv not my strong suit but I'm working on it all actors have to (laughs) okay oh so do you think you're better with uh just straight given lines and direction than improv I would say yes I would say yes and it kind of it's interesting because I used to be better at improv and then not as good at lines and stuff, but it's really all about like what you're constantly studying and what you're constantly doing and what you really get casted for. And in most scenarios, especially in my film classes and things like we're not learning about improv. And yes, I take commercial improv classes at my local studio that I like to go to, but it still isn't the same, I think, as being able to like one of my favorite parts about acting is being able to just take every single word inside of the text, inside of the dialogue and pull every single little thing from it that you can and build and build and build and build. And when things are on the fly, it's really fun because you're straight up, you know, living truthfully under these imaginary circumstances and just 
really feeding off of the other person's energy and really trying to just blah, blah, like have fun. It's really off the top of your head. So it's really fun, but it can also just be like a lot harder to nail because yeah. there's not, there's no prep time. And there's also no guarantee that everything you're going to say is going to land. And I'm very much the, like a preparer type person. I like to be super prepared. So going into improv is just like, you just, it's a lot of pressure for just, you know, everything you say. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> now going through and trying to submit gigs through the pandemic, how's that been like? And what is the process like? Is it the same as it would be if there wasn't a pandemic? Um, definitely not. I mean, the biggest changes that happened from the, like before the pandemic, everything that you would apply to, you would also, if you got a callback or a re request for an audition, you would actually go to LA or go to wherever the studio is to audition and meet them in real life, which is really nice because you get that chance before you spit out any lines, before you start trying to sell yourself as this talented actor and everything kind of representing yourself, you really get a chance to just be yourself in the audition room and to try and connect with other people who are there auditioning, connect with the people that are auditing the auditions and stuff like that and really get a chance to kind of charm them before you give your performance and make a little bit of an impression, yeah. you know? So I really liked that before the pandemic, whereas right now when you submit yourself for different gigs and you get an audition request, it's fully self-tape. So it's just a different ball game because they mm. only know what they see on your profile, on your reel and things like that. So it's like they never see anybody outside of when you're performing. They only see their your profile, which is all, here are my headshots. Here's my professional actor's reel. Here's what I sound like doing this or doing this. And here's a blah, 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 type up on my resume, blah, blah, blah. And then they see your audition and they're like, oh, okay. And that's all they know. So it's just different, I think, because um, you can't really connect in the same way that you could before or maybe accidentally kind of charm them. Oh, I don't know what happened. Where'd you go? Oh, I'm still here. Okay. I think it just minimized you. Yes, my dad was calling me. Oh. Excuse me. But yes, I would say, but at the same time, one of my favorite parts about acting in the pandemic now is the fact that it is a self-tape because that also means that you get take after take after take after take if you want. And it's it's one of those things, again, yes, you have to now have the lighting, the camera, the microphone, the cam, or yeah, I already said the camera, and also having a nice backdrop to film on, making sure that your house isn't noisy, so kicking people out and turning off all the air conditioning and stuff, so it becomes more complicated on that end, but you really get to take care of your finished product and make sure that it's something you're really proud of and that you have a lot more control over versus when you're just in the audition room, you get one shot and then maybe two, maybe two, you know. That's what I feel like that would be easier, especially I think it'd be so intimidating seeing a lot of people uh, going for the same call like you, like you say, connect with them. But if you're going after the same role, it's like, yes, we can connect and yes, you can be cool, but I kind of hope you fail. Yeah, well, I well, would say I it depends. And that's one of those things, like if you're getting into acting or if you're getting into singing or if you're getting into modeling, those three industries specifically, or even like being a dancer, it's so 
fucking competitive. It is some of the mm. most is one of the most those industries are the most competitive industries I feel like you can choose for a career because everybody wants to be a singer actor dancer model whatever everybody thinks that they have what it takes and it's really about you know going into these situations no matter what feeling like this role was written for me and there's no way even if I mean, you don't deeply okay. inside of yourself believe that, but just going into the rooms with this air of confidence that you're making friends with all of these people, because regardless of whether or not you guys are going for the same role, you're in really similar positions. And it's just so great to talk to other artists and see how did you get this audition? Do you have representation? How do you feel about that representation? How long have you been in the game? You can kind of gauge your success against their success and see where you are on the journey to becoming an actual booking, working, successful actor. How long, like how many times a week have they been auditioning and now they're getting called back? You know, you can actually also help yourself. I feel like get less nervous if you talk to a lot of these people and you'd be surprised like half of them are fucking way unprepared. Like don't know their lines, don't really know the character, didn't research the producers or this company that is actually holding the auditions. They didn't research the director. So there's just these different things that I think if you do as an actor and you show up to the audition, at least doing everything that you could like capable of to be prepared you still feel like, no, I mean, these bitches just don't have a chance, yeah. you know? <laughs> as well as like that mentality you were saying, like we're friends because we're going through this, but if you're really, you know, talented and, you know, proof of work, like, fuck you. Like this role is for me, not for you. Like I, good luck in life and I hope I can support you, but this role is for me. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's not even there. It's not even that they aren't talented or that they aren't as hardworking even, but it's just that, the whoever wrote this didn't mean to write it for me but they did and this role is and me are we're so connected and I'm so meant for this that it's nobody else's fault that they didn't get it but it's just so clear to me and to the people that this is supposed to happen you know so it's kind of like I think I've I've been working on this this isn't like oh I've always been like this I think you have to get really thick skin and you kind of have to like boost your own ego and boost your own confidence because nobody in the industry is going to give it to you ever ever I mean (laughs) okay so on that do you just now are you trying to just embody that kind of mentality how you're saying like fake it till you make it so you're just trying to like embody that mentality with each role you take and really dive into each role and even if like to where I'm kind of saying are you accepting roles that maybe you weren't really written for you but the way you take them on you're like I'm going to dive into this character that it was written for me precisely precisely I would say and I don't think since I'm still newer I'm still what we call green in the industry even if I have been doing film and stuff for like three years and a little more it still is like I'm still like just here on the whole big scheme of things and I get that so I definitely um, I'm careful about the roles that I choose because it's really important. I don't want to have a situation where I get typecasted and yeah. choose too many similar roles, but I also don't want to take a role way outside of my comfort zone that makes it so maybe I'm not able to give my best performance or maybe now I'm only seen as this role 
and it's something so opposite of me that it's difficult to ever get close to that again or it's ever it's difficult to book other gigs that I feel like are more my type so I'm very picky choosy but I do I would say that that's exactly what I do though is put on this fake it till you make it mentality so even if it's something that's a little bit like uh it could be a crapshoot I'm just like no I mean I totally fucking go for it because that's what you have to do I feel like even in your cover letter <laughs> that you're writing and stuff, you know, they can feel your lukewarm energy if you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going all in with this, you know. Yeah. I do every time. And sometimes I don't know if that helps or hurts. So people don't take all of my advice and run with it, like do your own research <laughs> and have you like, you know, try and draw your own conclusions from your own experiences. But that's exactly what I'm doing. Just drawing conclusions from my own experiences. And I would say that people are really attracted to confidence and they're attracted to passion. And if you want it badly enough, and if you're willing to work for it, then most of the time, like people, people give you a shot. If they really think like, you're not going to purposefully fuck it up. If they really think you're going to give, give it a good go. Maybe they don't see it when they start out. Um, you'd be surprised. I've had some people give me a shot, you know, not any big ones yet but <laughs> <laughs> oh no but okay do you want to talk about your first feature film that uh you got cast in? not not details i, I know yeah. you're like but no, i'm so any- excited though yeah. yeah um so i was actually just and i i should think about this you know a lot of us actors are very superstitious so you got to be careful not to reveal too much or not to jinx auditions and things but i actually submitted myself for this gig on backstage because for you guys that don't know that's what you do and when you don't have an agent before you have an agent you just use self-submit websites like actors access la casting backstage there's probably 20 more but those are like the three big ones that most casting companies use and i was on backstage and i saw this role and i was oh wait no actually i think it was on la casting I don't remember. I think it was backstage, but um, <laughs> yes, I saw it and I just was really drawn to the role because it fit my physical description. So I felt like, okay, at least I'm a shoe in on that. You know, yeah. sometimes I apply for it, even if they say like short black hair, cause I'm like, maybe I could, you know, you could wear a wig, you could dye your hair. Like that's cheap. Yeah. Right. I, if it's for the right role, I will shave my head. I don't care. Like I do sure. it. Yeah, but um, no, it was just, I thought it was so fun because the role is a lesbian woman and it, she's like a lipstick lesbian. I was and, like, yeah, could you play yeah. a lesbian? But then you said lipstick lesbian. I'm like, okay. Yeah, like the lipstick lesbian type. And it's just, it was something that I was like, okay, see, if I got this role in a feature film, I just picture it being better for my career than if I was playing the typical kind of objectified blonde woman or the typical kind of lady that is so like damsel in distress or whatever because that's pretty my fear as as like a a, a attractive woman like only being able to book those roles when I want to be a character actor like be painted as a fucking tree or be a monster or be this or that like I (laughs) I want to wait you don't want to be painted as a tree I would like to be painted as a tree. Okay, rather, that's what I thought. Okay, all right. Rather, I actually did just get painted as a tree, and that was fun, body painted, but back on topic. 
Um, but it was just amazing. I ended up auditioning and I really went ham. I got fully off book and even paid to go have the audition filmed at my local studio that I like to go to and then have my acting coach read the other side and actually like direct my audition to kind of help me out. And yeah. when I sent it in, I didn't hear anything back for a, a full week over a week and at that point within that time I did some other gigs and I was on set just talking to this guy like man I'm kind of bummed I've been sending in these auditions that I'm working so hard on and I'm not hearing back I don't know what's going on right now like maybe I need to look more edgy or change something like you know because that's how you start feeling especially because yeah. like I was saying it's not like they say your audition was really good, but we ended up picking somebody else. You just never hear back. You just say never nothing. Closure. Yeah. You never know, like, was it that I said this word funny or was it like a gesture that I did that they thought was inappropriate? You never know. You never know. I do that all the time. I'm like, oh. like they thought maybe I was giving a wrong impression. And it's just like, you never know. So it's like, you can't really, it's harder to fix. Like other industries, people will tell you like, hey, motherfucker. But Yes. Anyways, but literally day after I was just talking shit about my auditioning, I got an email back inviting me to this table read. So I could even be jinxing it right now because he hasn't confirmed that I'll get the, that I'll get the part. I know it's so scary, but the table read is happening on Sunday with some of the other cast. And I was speaking on the phone with the guy and I think like I'm very close and maybe in the next segment you will hear more about this or maybe I will never bring it up again. <laughs> and that's shame on me. That's my voodoo. That's my bad juju. No, no, but- it's not. I don't think so. And honestly, I don't know. Oh, damn. I'm getting this stuff all dirty. I'm, I'm doing the same thing that I was just telling you where I can't imagine that this person would cast anybody else because this role was actually written for me it was. I see that I really see you in that role as like yeah the definitely the hippie lipstick led I just see you in that role for sure yeah she's this lipstick lesbian she's kind of a scorned woman fresh off of some bad relationships with men so she's going through a phase in her life right now where she's like I'm gonna see how it goes with the ladies you know and I just think that it's really fun and it's got a cute ending and the writing is really good, but it'll just be a big deal because it'll be my first lead in a film. Yeah, that's like, dope. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I can't wait to get some other shit out. I want to be able to send you some stuff, but everything's in post-production right now. I did this commercial and that's my first lead role in a commercial mm-hmm. where I was like the only like lead in it. Like, yeah. you know, it was funny it was a comedy commercial for a petty spa (laughs) but I can't wait for that to come out because it'll be so ridiculous you had prints of that right like print shots is that the one you had prints of or is that something completely different uh that's something else different oh okay you might be thinking of the snack food commercial there was there was one in a house where you like had like a classic vibe to you no one in the house for a classic vibe to me I think you wore like a blue dress like a navy blue maybe all right well wait what are you talking about where did you see it on Instagram oh 
Oh no, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe that's okay. something else. <laughs> we'll talk yeah. about it later. Well, yeah. yeah, sorry. It's all right. Well, okay, we're finishing up. Clearly, you've kind of said your goals and like where you want to see your career taking. And I feel, I mean, it's not bad, but if someone sees you as like the Brittany Murphy type, you don't want that. You really want the Charlize Theron kind of arc of her career. Like, um, No, because I don't think so. No, I, I think Brittany Murphy got some really good, excuse me, got some really good roles, just like Charlize Theron. Although I will say her career arc is oh. one of those. <laughs> It's just, wow. I mean, the dedic that's what I want to be able to do as an actor is get handed these roles where they're like, hey, we need you to gain 30 pounds and stop brushing your teeth and like stop shampooing your hair. And, you know, they didn't really ask her to do that, but she just is so dedicated. And I just yeah. I can't wait to get an opportunity to dedicate myself like that to a role where I literally transform mentally physically spiritually i mean it's pretty method to go that route but sometimes roles just call for a little bit of method they do even though well, it's like the free slope so you won't take I, i'm saying the kaylee coco ro roles to eventually take the charlie Theron role or would you is there at some point where you will take the kaylee cuckoo roles i'm, yeah. I'm butchering her name completely too yeah no it's okay um I would say for sure. I mean, beggars can't be choosers at the same time. So of course, if I get offered a really big role that is a Kaylee Kuko type and like Bang Theory, Big Bang Theory, then sure, you know. Or even her younger at for simple roles. Because you can still play like a high school girl, not at insulting you at all, but like if they yeah. put you as like the blonde high school girl, would you yeah. take that role too? For sure. And I think it's actually ideal to go ahead. I mean, at my age, since I did, I literally just turned 22, it's usually up to about 25, depending on like what you look like, of course, but usually up to 25 is how, how like you can still be cast as a high schooler. And I think yeah. that helps the longevity of your career. If you start out playing more high school roles and if you start out that way, because then when you get into your first more mature role, people think like, oh, she's finally growing up and you're already 30. Yeah. <laughs> you're already fucking full-on 30 years old and they think that you just turned like 21 and that you're finally legal and like oh now you're growing up and you're like nope it's just this is how hollywood works you know yeah. so i think that's really ideal like if i start out in kaylee kuko roles too soon then i'm going to be playing mom roles a lot sooner than i should be you know mm -hmm. i think that's how it works but i don't know <laughs> kind of an outsider looking in I was just like definitely getting now Ashley Tisdale vibes. I'm like, now I'm typecasting you. I feel like, I feel horrible. I was just like, cut the bang, sweet life of Zach and Cody or like, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's understandable because I mean, a lot of acting in the actors is just how believable it is, of course, is really getting lost in the story and forgetting that you are just watching actors deliver lines on set, you know, yeah. it's like, it's crazy, really, the places that movies and shows can take you to and how easily you can forget how fake all of it is, you know? So I, I understand being typecast, but I just think I want to do my best to help my own career starting out and oh, yeah. not being too stuck and pigeonholed. Because 
typecast is normal, but being pigeonholed and being stuck in one role over and over again across different shows and different movies, like oh, yeah. Adam Sandler or something. I mean, oh, shot fired, bro. I don't like Adam Sandler. Can I say that? <laughs> I mean, I used to till he, I mean, after like 2010, after Grown Ups, like two, it just got bad. It just, and that was like 10 years ago. I feel you. No, I, I understand that. But when I was like 12 and younger, I was like, didn't. oh my God, I mean, this guy is so funny, right? Oh, like yeah, the, I loved him. Yeah. Yeah. But then it was just when we grew up and we realized it's just such slapstick comedy. It's like only part jokes. It's only like, ah, I'm a dick, feel bad. <laughs> I don't know. It, it became like, ooh. I mean, I bet this guy seriously acts like this in real life. I don't, oh, want to probably spend, definitely, yeah. I don't want to spend too much time dogging on Adam Sandler. What if I like sat next to him in the Oscars and he saw this and it would just be really embarrassing. Oh, I love it. We're going to speak it into existence because by that time, I mean, he'll be 60, 65 and right. his work won't be getting, he will not have any Oscar worthy work that he'll historically be remembered by or in the future. No offense to Adam Sandler at all. Like that new movie, that Jim's movie was actually pretty good acting by him. But besides that, nothing of historical significance. Right. I mean, he gave us some funny ones in the past, like Happy Gilmore. That, that's the only one I was thinking. Like, the and I love that. Singer. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, 90s. Young Adam with like young Drew Barrymore. There was this golden age that was oh. going on with like, you know, a few actors that were like that. But then it just kind of became like, wait wait this isn't an act and I think when everybody realized like wait this is actually just Adam Sandler being himself on screen for two hours like annoying the fuck out of everybody like get this guy fucking out of here you know but see part of the problem which is why I want different production company up Netflix gave him 200 million dollars to make like 10 films and that's what happens when like not only did they pay him like 20 million a film but they like paid all his production company like paid them the money to produce the film so he produced them however he wanted to not like with any you know which it's bad movie studios but when you are obligated to actually make a good film and not a film that you just want to make it usually promotes just different content you know that's a really good point sometimes people with just one brain going into it don't realize how much they're kind of selling themselves short because that's the beauty of I think even getting into the other side of the camera I've been trying to get some PA gigs and stuff on set and it's so fucking neat I just have so much respect for every single fucking person that is a part of these things that are made it's just mind-blowing sometimes the attention to detail and the sheer amount of hours and thought that goes into the smallest of things I just can't imagine wanting to do it as one person or thinking as one person that I could do it completely on my own with my all of my own ideas all of this mm-hmm. like I want other people's ideas other people's input and that's just me starting out maybe if I was like had done 40 films I feel like I know enough and maybe that's how Adam felt but I think yeah. it's also like you know a little bit s- egocentric or like oh. you know but it's kind of like what they say a little bit of you're definitely a rare breed so far but uh, do you know Counting Crows the band no oh uh, the lead singer he was on this podcast but he was just talking about kind of like 
when a, an actor you're constantly pursuing your career so he's just like don't date actors you know what i mean like it's frustrating everything like the egocentric but it's if you think you're the best and then someone like adam sandler who even his comedies were making 100 150 million for like the last 20 years so who's going to tell him any different kind of thing right right so exactly if he doesn't have a honey at home that's going to give it to him give it they give him the truth you know or some old fart uncle that is always way too honest or something I think you just kind of need some people in your life that are like honey and that are like willing to humble you and willing to be like yeah I see where you're going with that but (laughs) you know just you need that especially if you are like you know you kind of do have to inject yourself with a lot of oh I'm really good I'm really talented I can do this I can do that just to like stay alive and not hate yourself at at the end of the day but you also just like it's a fine line of course and I think having other people in your life that are smart and that know what they're talking about really helps you really helps you out and so we we didn't want to go and bashing I felt like damn I I helped you with the bashing Adam Sandler for like an extra five minutes which I know we got a little off topic but it needed to be said Adam if you're watching let this be no I'm kidding I, I used to love you bro. <laughs> all right but I, I, anything else you want to share about acting in the pandemic segment one before we close out acting in the pandemic segment one Mm-mm-mm. I would say don't listen to anybody (laughs) no I think you don't have to have TikTok to be an actor people keep trying to force me to be some kind of TikTok bitch no hate I respect the fact that some people are making their careers from TikTok okay that's awesome and I'm so happy that people are able to do that because you know we're literally living in the future but you don't have to like there's so many different ways. I think that's the really fun, cool part about getting into a creative and artistic industry, whether it is acting, singing, dancing, or just the film industry in general. Like if you're writing or if you want to be a director, whatever, whatever it is, is there's so many different ways that you can get into this, like, and get experience and connect with other people and make your own content you know and it's just in collaborating with other artists I think it's just really fun just continue to put yourself out there continue to be nice to yourself even when you don't hear back in auditions and just don't give up that's really the fun part even if this this is like a something you want to do or if it's a hobby but maybe you need to treat it as a hobby because it can't pay the bills yet just keep on fucking doing it and don't give up believe in yourself and don't let anybody tell you that there's only one way that you can get in or that there's some magic ticket way to get in because there's just not in that doesn't exist you can't take a whole semester of acting class that tells you this is how to get into acting like it doesn't work that way and that's one of the coolest parts though because there's so many different ways and it can happen to anybody it can happen from tiktok it can happen from meeting somebody on the street or it can happen from auditioning 1000 times and not getting called back. And then on that 1,001 time, they call you back and it's the breakout role. But that shit is real. And I think like 
with acting, magic is in the air, yeah. you know? And it's really fun to just let yourself be creatively free and just be yourself. Just don't forget to be yourself. I don't know. <laughs> no, I love that energy. That's what we need. And we're waiting for that 1001. Or maybe it's just like that 99. Who knows? But we're going to be here for you, yeah. Ariel Meserly. Good job. Aw, oh, thanks. It. That was fun. Hopefully I'll be able to update you guys on my role as the scorned lesbian. And I've got other things on the way too that I'd love to talk to you guys about in the future. But that that was really nice. Thank you. Oh, and that is it. Thank you for joining me, Ariel. You were amazing. I'm so excited to hear. Hopefully, you know, cross your fingers next time you come on. You secured this part, your first feature film. I so see you as the lipstick, the lipstick lesbian. Okay, let's just put that down. So excited for this and so excited for you. But besides that, that that's it for this episode of A Modern Man Podcast. Fargo Watch Party is coming back. We're still working out the kinks. I'm settled here in Chicago, but with grad school and with kind of Steven, his, you know, Steven's fucking killing it at Spotify. I don't know if you know, but he, he's been working at Spotify and, you know, helping them build some new stuff. We can't reveal too much the whole NDA and stuff like that. But he's been super busy working the most he's done in years. But Fargo Watch Party is coming back for season three. So stay tuned. A Modern Woman podcast. There's, what, like 15, 20 episodes on there. And Bree is still putting that shit out. All right. So f- subscribe to A Modern Woman podcast every Monday. And then like, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends every Wednesday. You know, it's your boy J.D. Farrell with A Modern Man podcast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>